Hey, Action Alerts Plus members, if it is Monday, well, you know what that means. It is podcast day. That's right. Chris Versace here with Bob Lang, December 12th, Monday, getting ready for the holiday season. And I'm, I have to say, this could be our second to last podcast for 2022. I'll be out on vacation next week. Bob will be manning the helm, but we think we're going to be back on December 27th, uh, the day after markets reopen from the Christmas holiday. Coming at you for four quick days before we round out 2023. I suspect we'll be chatting about uh, wrapping up 2022, reviewing 2022, and sharing some of uh, what we look forward to in 2023, along with some usual fun insights along the way. Bob, a- anything to add to that? No, it's uh, it, it's great to be with you, Chris. And uh, you know, of course, we we're just back from our trip from New York last week, mm-hmm. which did a monthly call for the subscribers. Um, and then yesterday, Chris, I, I'm not sure about what it's like in your area, but we just got our first snowfall of the year. Um, and snow is still on the ground. Um, New England New England got hit pretty good uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, it's been pretty cold. Um, sun is out, though, and looks like I'll bet I'm, I'm sure the snow is going to be melting here. But, um, you know, first uh, snowfall of the year in middle of December. Um, it's, uh, it's always nice uh, to have a white Christmas. So, Bob, is there a phone number where members can call and get the usual weather update from you? I mean, when I was a kid growing up, it was like you could dial like 611 or something like that and get the weather. Is there any services you're planning on offering? 1-800-BOB-LANG. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that is Bob Lang is seven digits. That, that's right. That's right. And, and that'll, get you, that'll get you the weather wherever you're at. You know, remember, remember the old... Uh, um, uh, Seinfeld show with uh, with Kramer. Oh, as movie phone. Movie phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did. <laughs> so anybody, uh, anybody who calls in will get the uh, up to date weather from me. Well, you know, I uh, I laughed at that joke uh, only because when uh, Kramer did it, I was living in New York at the time and actually used movie phone because <laughs> just a little inside baseball there. When you live in Manhattan, there are very few theaters that have a waiting area. So in the middle of winter, you're usually waiting outside to go into the theater. So getting, queuing up was very, very important. Um, But speaking of what's important, Bob, you know, this is Monday, like I said, December 12th, as we tape this, we got a pretty big week. You know, we're gonna get some more inflation data. We got the Fed and their monetary policy meeting for December. Um, You know, we've got some questions over what their updated uh, economic projections are going to look like, what Powell's going to say, potentially about the duration of monetary policy versus the hopium that's in the market. Uh, but at the same time, we're also entering that time of the year that things tend to start to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's it's always a little tenuous, right? So um, before we talk about the Fed, though, I, I just want to go over a couple things. Um, you know, China COVID cases are spiking could be an exit wave. We talked about a little bit about this on last week's podcast, or sorry, the podcast before and on the members um, December call that, you know what, Uh, it's nice to see that China is softening, but the exit wave tends to result in another, just that wave. And we're not out of the woods yet. I think we're going to get some more data that is a little concerning uh, for companies. So I, I think, yeah. Chris, you know, it, it, you know, we, we we get news just about every day out of China, and you know whether they're opening up or they're not going to open up, or it's a partial open up, and it's really hard to really um, get your arms around what is actually happening over there. And you know, frankly, I I would tell you, you know, even though they 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 boast the largest 
um, population in the world. Maybe they're behind India now. I don't know. Maybe they're tied. Not, not yet, but soon. Not soon. But, you know, I, 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 I don't really know if it's all that important of, a, uh, of an economy for the rest of the world. I mean, certainly, you know, not the uh, United States. Well, I, I, I think there's different avenues to that, right? So if, if you're talking about um, the selling of U.S. goods abroad, I mean, there will be certain companies that are impacted, obviously Apple, obviously Starbucks. Uh, but the other issue is that, you know, we and other countries have outsourced our manufacturing there because of very low cost of labor. So it's important to understand that, you know, this exit wave, in my opinion, could result in some false starts, right? It's going to take a little bit of time for that exit wave to work through. And then we could start to look about look for a perhaps more robust rebound in terms of uh, consumer demand there, but also Maybe, 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 Bob. Finally, supply chains getting back on track. Yes, and 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 those are those are some major issues. Uh, certainly, that the Fed um, committee has been talking about endlessly. That they think that they want to get the supply chain back, um, and that is going to go a long way to helping reduce some of the um, excess inflation that we've had for the past uh, two years. I mean, the, those supply chain issues have been with us for a very long time probably longer than we've ever we've ever experienced so hopefully some of those uh some of those issues are going to be um going by the wayside i know this that you know i mean again when i go to the grocery store um you know they're out of a lot of stuff um and 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 those things these are just the regular items that you go and buy you know at um at wegmans or at the grocery store walmart or whatever you know a lot of shelves are empty and it's not just because you know people have been stockpiling stuff you like that word stockpile? Yes, not, I do. Not just because stock people are stockpiling goods, it's because they're they're not available. They're not uh, they're not being on, uh, put on the shelves. Well, no, that's a good point, and and I I think you know we'll we'll save a little more of this for the when we tape our next podcast. But I I think on I think when we reflect on inflation, there there there's no one silver bullet, right? There's been a number of factors been out there. Obviously, the on again off again lockdowns in China and those manufacturing disruptions. But you talk about the Russia-Ukraine war, the impact on food, particularly exports out of Ukraine, that's a huge issue. There's been other issues as a result of that, whether it's been um, energy. But the other you know, inflationary factor, you know, and we saw it in the last two weeks, is just it, it, the labor force remains extremely tight here. And that is you know, really producing uh, companies having to pay up, small, medium, and large companies to pay up to get the talent they want, even now as we start to balance layoffs. So it's 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 a very tricky situation, and and as always, I do not envy Fed Chair Powell and having to talk about this and sit in the hot seat uh, for Q and A on Wednesday. You know, and and as far as inflation is concerned, this is the one thing that he made mention of in on November thirtieth, and and the prior meeting before that, talking about the stickiness of prices uh, as as it re, as it comes uh, relates to wages, and it's you know it's consumer prices. Um, I think he's um, put up a flare there saying that, you know what, I mean, this was a uh, you know, was somewhat of a positive CPI number last month. Let's not get too excited about it. I mean, the S&P 500 <clears throat> drove up almost uh, five and a half percent on that day. I want to say it was November uh, 9th or 10th. I was November 10th on that uh, last CPI day um, the, for October. And it basically ticked a little bit lower, but not too much. Still, we came in at 7.7 percent annualized on the inflation. And again, he talked about, you know, saying that, you know what, I mean, it was encouraged, but still 
it's the wage inflation that's been um, uh, the bugaboo here for the for the Fed as they're trying to wait until that gets under control. Well, I think it's a good point. You know, I, I, I think more often than not, people are looking to fixate on one particular data point. And, you know, as we discussed and you reminded us, you know, there's there's two, three, four, you know, pieces of data that all have to be moving in the right direction for the Fed to be, I think, increasingly comfortable, not only shrinking the size of its rate hikes, but also determining what the terminal rate may be. And ultimately, as we've talked about, you know, the last several weeks, that's really the key figure to determine, right? What is the terminal rate and how long are they going to be there? Um, Still amazes me, Bob, that there are people out there who think that the Fed is going to cut sometime in the back half of the year. I mean, just two two weeks ago, Powell said, "Uh uh-uh, it's not going to be the case. But I think I, I think the issue here is we've got more firms, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, and others, you know, increasingly calling for something more than an economic slowdown to emerge, perhaps in the first half of 2023. I I, I uh, I'm careful not to use that R word, but you know what I'm talking about. Sure um, you know, and, and I I think that it's really going to hinge on the Fed determining. You know, we need to get those prices down. Powell and crew have said there will be pain. Perhaps a mild recession is the pain that we would get. Lord knows it would certainly help reset the um, the employment market. Wouldn't be as frothy or as tight. Perhaps that would have some wage inflation uh, medicine, I guess, is the right word I'm looking for. So what do you think? Well, speaking of, yeah, you know, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. But also when he, when he brought up the word frothy, I mean, we talk about frothy in terms of earnings. Um, earnings expectations, you know, I mean, they, 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 they're starting to come down, but I don't, you, you are not, just, you are just setting me up today, Bob. I, uh, Chris, you're I don't right. Know, I don't know if, I don't know if earnings expectations have come down enough here. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned it, you mentioned it before that, <clears throat> um, uh, trough levels and earnings tend to come down, uh, when, when the market is priced anywhere from 14 to 17 times earnings. Um, in a recession, something like that. So, you know, so, I mean, we'll the math will be come in at 205 or something like that. You know, but we're not, uh, we're, 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 we're over almost 20 times earnings right now for, uh, for 2024. Yeah. So let's, let's go to, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase, uh, Mar, was it Marv Wolfman? Let's go to the videotape, Chuck. Um, <laughs> So if you take a look at it, right, in the last couple of weeks, we've got that that really disappointing um, ISM data for manufacturing. These services were a little stronger than expected. The employment numbers for November were way stronger than expected, as was the wage data. So when, when you kind of put all that in together, uh, despite the concerns and calls about a potential recession, you know, we see uh, 2022 EPS for the S&P 500 is now right around $221. And you're right. In the last uh, two weeks or so, we've seen expectations for 2023 come down, but it's a whopping, uh, it went from 232.53, Bob, to 232.24, despite oh, all that data, right? So, so, so it was basically a quarter, 25 cents? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much, pretty yeah. much. So, so I think you're right that there is probably more downside, but the, the problem with this is, you know, we're we're thinking right on, on a rolling twelve month basis. A lot of what happens with these forward year earnings expectations is they don't get reset until companies report. Most of that tends to happen in the middle of January, to somewhere between the middle to the end of February. That typical four to six week frenzy of earnings. So I do think we're going to see earnings expectations come down then. Um, 
you know, and you're right. You know, I went back and I looked at the market. I think it was 05, 06. Last time Fed funds rate was, you know, approaching 5%. Market peaked at it 17 times. And between those two years, it bottomed somewhere between 14 and a half, 15 and a half. You know, do the math on that. If we see that 232 number for 2023 come down to flat, you know, mm -hmm. 220-ish or even compress lower, we're going to see that multiple compress, right? Because earnings are not growing. Not only is it not growing as fast, they're contracting. So I, I do think that there's going to be a little risk to the market as we head into the year. And, and I don't know if you saw this, Bob, sorry to keep going here, but um, Deutsche Bank came out with a new survey. They apparently they talked to, I forget the number of individuals, you know, several uh, of roughly 900 global respondents and 79% say the S&P won't hit its cyclical low until sometime next year or beyond. Uh, and they look for the market to drop, you know, on average 2.2% in 2023. 32% of those surveyed said they expect a decline of at least 10%. So it's <clears throat> which is interesting because there, there seems to be a lot of, uh, of uh, talk out there that most of the market is, um, is, is bearish and that that tends to be a contrarian. Most people who are market watchers and so forth tend to be bearish, and that would be a uh, contrarian, you know, uh, figure for you. I mean, you'd want to you'd want to take the opposite tack and go and go bullish here. But I don't, you know, I, I, I we haven't really seen that much um, excitement or enthusiasm for 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 buying the market. Certainly, the no, you know, is not showing it. Volatility is down quite a bit. But listen, you know what? The S and P five hundred is exactly where it was when the markets closed after that um, better than expected CPI number back in November, yet volatility is down quite sharply. So we really haven't gone anywhere and there's really not a whole heck of a lot of excitement or enthusiasm um, over, over this market right now, is there? No, I don't think so. And, you know, my, my sense is that, you know, that R word has been increasingly on people's minds. Um, but, you know, it, but it's also interesting, too, though, because, you know, if you read the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg or some of the other, you know, things that you and I parse you know, on a day to day basis, there are folks out there who are calling for 2023 to be a rebound year in the stock market. And, you know, I, I always at this point think that such bold project bold projections, you know, can be a little uh, early. But it's interesting, though, too, because just conceptually, like, like we know this for the AAP portfolio, that there's a number of drivers that are going to come on in 2023, multi-year drivers, whether it's related to infrastructure spending, you know, eventually the CHIPS Act or, or some other things therein. Um, there are reasons to think that the second half of 2023 could be, you know, a good year for a number of, I hate to use this word, sectors, but I'll, so instead I'll say beneficiaries of the spending out of Washington. You know, mm -hmm. we've we, we've done a good job getting the portfolio kind of position for that. We might have some opportunities to a little to do a little more. But, you know, I, I think 2023 is probably going to be a very mixed bag. Um, I do think, though, the first half of the year is probably to be, you know, about the same of what we've seen on a good case, uh, perhaps a little more challenging as those expectations, again, once again, get reset lower. I'm a, I hate to say it. Um, yeah. What now, Bob, as we get ready for the Fed, you, you and I were chatting very early this morning before we, we did the daily rundown and had the AAP morning comments out. Um, you were whispering in my ear, so to speak, um, about implied market volatility. So let, let's let's for the audience. What is it? Why is it important? And what is it likely what, what's likely to happen over the next couple of days? 
So basically, um, the definition of implied volatility is that um, what is the market's expectation for market movements up and down, right? A lot of people like to um, assume that when volatility is dropping, that's, that's bullish for the markets. When volatility is rising, that it's technically bearish for the market. Because as, as is measured by, by the VIX or the volatility index, um, it's, it's measured by the demand uh, for for calls and puts on the S&P 500, and that's really basically the measurement. So generally speaking, when, when people are buying more puts than calls, it's, it's kind of a fear uh, gauge, and we see the VIX going up. But then the opposite occurs when people are, more people are buying calls, and it tends to push markets down uh, when the VIX goes up, and the opposite happens when the VIX goes down. So, but today we're looking at the VIX at up 1.7 percent, up about nine percent, eight or nine percent today, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the markets up as well too. So, so what 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 gives here? I think there's a lot of people that are that are positioning themselves for tomorrow and for Wednesday. Now, coming into today, Chris, we had the implied volatility for, for instance, today's options were really very very small. So, the expectation that the market was looking for was for minimal movement today. And we barely we haven't had very much movement at all today. We barely went negative today. This morning we were um, before the market opened up. So we're not, we don't have a lot of volatility right now in the markets, but the implied volatility. But the VIX is showing it um, that we could get some fireworks uh, later this week. Now, we do have not only the CPI number tomorrow, Chris, we have the Fed meeting um, tomorrow and Wednesday decision coming out. And then also a um, options expiration on Friday, too. So, um, whoa, whoa, hang on. You missed something in there. Thursday, Thursday is retail sales. Thursday is retail sales. So basically every day. Uh, this week we have something, something brewing, something cooking that could um, make the markets move. So, um, you know, I think I, I think the market is telling us, look, there's going to be some big moves happening uh, up and down later on this week. The implied volatility, as I said, was very very small today. Huge tomorrow and Wednesday. And so Wednesday, tech, t- check this out. The markets are expecting a spy to move about 11 points. That's 2.7%, Chris, 2.7%, up or down, 2.7% mm-hmm. just in one day. Um, so um, when you get pricing in like that, what generally generally the right way to go is to sell that volatility. It's really being juiced up. Options are juiced up a lot. Now, could we move 11 points on the S&P? Absolutely. We did, you know, last time on the, on the, on the CPI number. Could we get a repeat performance? Absolutely. But I think the odds and the probabilities favor that we're not going to get that kind of a big move on Wednesday. Now, I'm on record of saying that right now, right? Yes, so you are. You're going to come back and tell me, you know, look, Bob, you told us blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to say, well, I was wrong <laughs> or I was right. <laughs> so so let's let let's game this out. Right. Because I know that for the portfolio, we, we've got some protection on in the form of some inverse ETFs. And uh, I'm not going to say anything new to people who tuned in to last week's uh, December members only call. And, and folks, if you're not subscribing to Action Alerts Plus, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of good stuff we're given in addition to the podcast here. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say, Bob, is you, you were on record saying that if um, the market meaning the S&P 500 moves up to uh, the 200 day, it might be time folks to put some more protection on. So my question to you is this, if we get that positive move, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whether it's the CPI or Powell, could we bounce back up 
to that, you know, 200 day moving average? Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, we could get a, a bounce up there and that's just under, I want to say 40, 60 right now, Chris. So, you know what, we're not too far away from it as we, as we speak. Um, but sure. I mean, well, um, on the SPY, the 200 day moving average is 400.70. So we're about five, four, about five points below it on the SPY. Um, you know, what is that? Uh, one and a quarter percent. So that, that, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be, uh, much at all. Of course, you know, like I said, the last CPI number when VIX was a lot higher, the markets ripped 6% to the upside. So, but, but uh, how, so I, I don't know where the market was on a technical basis back then, but how, how important or is the 200 day moving average? And by that, I mean, is there tough resistance there Yeah, for the market? Yeah, it, uh, you know, big institutional money, the big money players who uh, put money to work in in uh, pension funds and uh, investment funds, hedge funds, mutual funds. They all look at this stuff, Chris. They all look at the pay attention to the 200 day moving average. Where's the market in relation to that? And is the mark is the 200 day moving average moving upwards or downwards? Now, what is 200 days? 200 days is basically about a year's worth of, uh, of price action. Uh, technically, 220 trading days in a, in a whole uh, calendar year. But let's, we use the 200 um as the um, as the marker for one year so big institutions are using that chris and so if we if we get a sustained move over the 200 day moving average it, it technically means that uh you know it's time it's game on it's time to put some more money to work now on the other hand if we get a move uh rejecting that 200 day moving average as we did most recently and we get back uh, down below that 200 day uh, moving average we have lower moving averages to take a look at the 100 the 50 uh, and the 20 day moving average. So, you know, um, and I think people are going to be soured um, by the act action of the activity there. So, but, you know, again, we're, you know, we're, we're in a seasonally strong period, period of, uh, of the year. You know, this is generally a time when, when markets are, 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 are rising overall. Uh, we do get some down days, but mostly markets are rising uh, every, you know, most days. And, uh, of course, the 23rd starts the Santa Claus rally. So well, we'll see what happens. Well, Presents are coal, and uh, I know that we won't find that out before Christmas, because technically speaking, uh, the Santa Claus rally, I think, goes on for the last, what is it, five, seven trading days of the year? Last five trading days of the year and the first two of the new year. There and you then, go. That, so five plus two is seven. I was close. Yeah, so then there's two other anecdotes there. You know, they say it's the first five days of January go of trading, so goes the month of January, and they say as January goes, so goes the month, so goes the rest of the year. So that kind of worked this year so far. I mean, the markets are, are mostly down, uh, you know, double digits, save for the Dow Industrials. But, you know, January was a miserable month of, uh, in 2022, and it, it basically foretold um, where we were going to be at. I think we made our high for the year, Chris, on the first or second trading day in January uh, of the that year. That sounds, well, I mean, come on, it's, well, again, you're, you're kind of stealing the thunder for the, the next podcast because we're going to recap the year. But look, we we got in and then all of a sudden it was what? Russia-Ukraine war, supply chains, oil, yeah. you know, uh, renewed current. Re, well, not not yet. Right. Well, then we had renewed renewed lockdowns in China. Right. Even greater supply chains. Then inflation, which had started to bubble up towards the end of last year, really came on strong. And then the Fed started, what was it, April, I think? March. Some, March. Middle, Middle March. 25, remember, 25 basis points in, in March. Then they went 50, and they've done uh, 
uh, what, four 75 basis point rate hikes uh, since then. So yeah. uh, speaking of the rate hikes, Chris, 75% uh, chance of a 50 basis point rate hike on Wednesday, uh, still 25% chance of uh, a 75 basis point rate hike, which I'm, I'm kind of in that camp. Not that I'm not that I'm bearish, but I just think that the Fed needs to do more to squash the inflation. It's still too high. Um, and then, you know, listen, you know, if you if you go by their dot plot from last time around September, which we're going to get mm -hmm, a new dot mm -hmm, plot, this mm -hmm. week, go by the dot plot. They, they said they were going to finish the year around four point four five to four point five percent. Well, do the math. We're at three seventy five now. Add seventy five. That gets you to four and a half. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't I don't. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it doesn't get any simpler than that, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. But I think we have to remember. And, and again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. Right. But we, we always, as we say, we, we try to you know, think about all the possibilities and, and then game them out. So it is certainly possible. Right. That um, given the lapse between that last update, which I think was September. Middle of September. Yeah. Middle of September. So we've gotten a lot of data since then. And look, the November PPI report, it showed, and I, I think this is probably typical, right? It has showed some progress, but not as much as people were looking for. So, and then when we balance that with some of the other things we talked about earlier, the November ISM and the November employment report, yeah, there there is an argument, I think, for the Fed to go bigger sooner. Um, but you know, the other thing, too, that I haven't heard anybody toss out is, hey, if they go 75, maybe the first rate hike in 2023 isn't 50. Maybe it's only 25. They have the flexibility to fine tune is my point. Yeah, and I agree with that. And and I think where, where, <clears throat> where people are missing it on, on, the, um, on the inflation front and the growth front, Chris, is that the Fed um, seems to be um, – uh, aggressive with um, with rate hikes in the face of a strong labor market. I mean, we, we still have it's really strong um, growth in, in in labor, not just wages, but in, in labor as well too. So this is uh, flying in the face of what the Fed wants to wants to have happen. I think they were predicting the last uh, projections that unemployment was going to go up from 3.7% to 4.4 some point in time in 2023, and that is a huge jump. That's a big jump in in, in unemployment. You got to have a, a huge contraction in job growth uh, as it um, as it, you know as it relates to uh, to the job. And we, of course, we know jobs are tend to be a huge lag. Um, oh uh, yeah, against the yeah. Economic, economic growth too. So you know, I mean, when when things are starting look like they're starting to recover, it'll the the jobs market may show negative um, job growth uh, for for several months, uh, probably in 2023, maybe early 2020. Uh -huh. Well, we'll see. We'll see. One one thing, just as we uh, talk about, you know, the Fed and where it's going, I would note that same Deutsche Bank survey that I referenced earlier. Uh, they're saying 5.3% is the terminal rate. 5.3. Okay, so that that brings you up even uh, even more than uh, 450. So I mean, but 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 you know, you you talked about the terminal rate before, and it was an important point. Um, uh, not necessarily the the pace now of getting there. It's just when you get there. However, the, the important another important uh, part here, Chris, is how long are they going to stay uh, exactly selling, right? I mean, are they going to? I, I I suspect that um, even if they if they hit those targets, let's say five five and a quarter, let's say five and a quarter, five five and a quarter, even if they hit those targets, right, they're going to remain tight for a long period of time. They have to. I I would suspect that they would have to see 
negative readings on CPI and PPI for four months in a row, or maybe five months in a row. I mean, are you are we getting are, are, are you, to be get, to be to be clear? Hang on, to be clear, when you say that, because there's a, there's a variety of ways the data gets reported. Are you talking month over month, year over year, both? Month over month over month. You got to have a negative reading. I mean, I think we're looking for the. I saw the Cleveland Fed now casting Chris is forecasting um, 0.47 month over month for this reading. I think the consensus estimate is like a 0 0.3, mm -hmm. um, which is slightly less than what we had last month, which was a 0 0.4. Um, so I, I I I do see the fact that you know maybe. We are coming down slightly, but it's still elevated. And even at a 0 0.4, 0 0.3, you know, three, 3.7 to 4.8% inflation on an annualized basis is way too hot for what the Fed. Well, it's it's still got. way far from 2%. I mean, we know, you know, again, like, like you said earlier, do the math. Do the math. <laughs> do the math. Okay. A um, couple other things just as we're, as we're chatting. Um, I noticed that when we talked about some um, stocks that newer members over at Action Alerts Plus should be thinking about, you you talked about one in particular, uh, Microsoft, and it was named by Credit Suisse as top of the crop, Bob. So it, once again, you were uh, blazing ahead of the trail. Kudos to you. Um, the other thing I just wanted to talk about real quickly is uh, we, on past, on recent podcasts, we talked about advertising spend, uh, very, very contentious because there's a lot of companies that are trying to tap into that. You know, we obviously tend to think of, you know, meta platforms, Google, Snap, Pinterest, but there are others that are vying for that anywhere from, you know, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Uber, uh, and, and, and Disney uh, in particular, but also others. So just wanted to mention this. Um, over the weekend doing some reading, uh, it looks like expectations for ad spending are coming down. Mm. Uh, Group M, which I think is part of WPG Group, don't quote me on that, they're now saying that advertising spend in 2022 will rise 6.5%. That's down from almost 8.5% in June. And they also trimmed their forecast for 2023. They were, they were looking for up 6.4%. Now they're saying plus 5.9%. And, and remember, members, that you know when you talk about advertising spend, it, it's a very discretionary item. Typically, when we see it, when companies are trying to cut back, fearing the macro environment, they can do layoffs, but their other discretionary spending areas, they tend to rein in first. Advertising spend seems to be one of those. So, so Chris, this this brings up a good question for you. Um, I think recently um, Netflix changed their model to include an advertising uh, portion. Correct. Correct. For subscribers. They did. They did. And and Disney unveiled their own move to that. I think a couple of days ago. So so I, I guess my question is: Too late to the party? Are they? What are they? What are they doing? Are they just trying to grab as much? I don't. Of, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't. I don't think so. Remember. Remember the mindset of advertisers, right? I want to go where the eyeballs are because I want people to see what I have to to show them. Right. So, you know, if people are dropping out of Facebook or dropping out of Instagram, you know, where are advertisers going to go? They want to go so, where people are going to be. So are we talking about a pool of money that is uh, generally spent on advertising, just sloshing around, moving around? OK, I'm not going to spend if I'm a if I'm a, a, a company looking to advertise, I'm not going to advertise on Facebook. OK, I'll buy an ad on Netflix. 
um, or Disney or, or, Apple or Amazon or, you know, whatever, whatever. So, but you know who, you know, what company, let me, let me ask you this. So when, when you dial in, fire up your browser, if you've got to go look for something, where's the first place you go? Google. Exactly. That's why I always think that they are going to, no, no matter, you know, where where the dollars are, they're going to continue to perform well. And I think that, uh, well, remember, too, what Walmart said last week, right? One, they, they talked about they were concerned about um, consumers, but they also said that they're spending more on digital than on broadcast or print in terms of advertising. So I, I think we're going to continue to see that. And I continue to think Google's a natural uh, winner over time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And with that, Bob, is there is there any? I'm looking at my notes here. Implied market volatility, ad firms. We talked about China. We talked about inflation. We talked about earnings expectations. The Deutsche Bank survey. Um, any anything? Since I actually here it is. Since we won't be back until the 27th, right? Between now and then, once we get past the Fed um, and the retail sales report. Uh, is there anything else on your mind before the market breaks for the Christmas holiday? Well, I thought I was interested today because um, it being um, you know Monday the uh, Monday the twelfth, you know we we had we saw something today we haven't seen in quite a while. You know it was um, Merger Monday. We saw oh, two yes two two companies um, actually when you can't want to count if you want to count um, Microsoft in it would be three. We saw um, Horizon Therapeutics, which was in the news recently um, with three suitors. They got they got bought by Amgen. We mm-hmm. saw Coupa Software, Coupa Software, um, mm-hmm. which was bought by Tama Bravo, big, huge premium. And then also, as I mentioned on a smaller note, is not really an acquisition, but Microsoft made a, an investment wow. in the London Stock Exchange. They listen to quite a bit of money dropping in that. You know, who knows what that's leading up to? I, I was really, I was really wondering what that was all about. Do you have any, uh, any, any view on that, Chris? No, I mean, look, typically companies do mergers or acquisitions, really acquisitions to round out um, either a product set, technology, fill a technology hole, expand internationally or geographically, I should say. Um, That might be the case for Amgen. But when it comes to Tama Bravo, I mean, they're a private equity shop and they have been, you know, buying other cybersecurity companies. So to me, this is the the move with Coupa is really kind of interesting that they would be doing it. But um, I will say that those folks tend to be very smart, very long term in their thinking. Um, I'm always curious whenever I see a company get acquired by private equity, what the what the exit could be two, three years from now. So that'll be something to watch. As far as Microsoft goes, you know, there's a little cynic in me that says, hmm, an interesting move with the London Stock Exchange right as they're trying to clear that Activision deal. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I there's something going on there. Um, but I, again, I don't really see the connection. But, you know, yeah. they're... You know, I mean, maybe maybe they're going to maybe they got some software deal that they're providing for them. But uh, well, they're, they're, they're going to I mean, the, the LSE is going to use them uh, for 10 years. And I think part of the investment says that they're going to spend two point eight billion dollars over 10 years with Microsoft. So, you know, they're they're for sure locking up that revenue stream. Right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, well, Chris, I won't uh, we won't be on the podcast till after Christmas. Right. So, well, that, well, so so Merry Christmas to all all the listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Spread the word. Um, again, if you're not an Action Alerts Plus subscriber, head over to thestreak.com and check it out. I suspect they're going to have some good deals at the year end. And uh, you know, 
whatever else, Bob. Anything, anything good? Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Um, Hanukkah Harry is Hanukkah Harry coming to visit. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing your uh, your outfit. Well, we had outfits last year. Remember, we were all, we were wearing stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing your outfit when we do a, 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 a either a, a, the next rundown or maybe even can I, talk can I, about can I just let, let let me just erase some of the thoughts. I'm sure some people are, are running through their heads. He means my Christmas holiday outfit. Yes, that's it. That's exactly yes, right. Yes. Yes. Well, you, if you, you here's here's a little tease. I know that uh, I believe on Thursday, which is the fifteenth. I'm due to do the daily rundown with one uh, J.D. Durkin, who does an excellent job. I, you may see the new Christmas blazer on show. Exciting! Oh, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be somehow. Awesome. Somehow, I rather doubt you're. I doubt that's true. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all the best wishes to everyone, and we will be back with you right after the Christmas holiday. Thanks. You too, Chris. Happy uh, holidays to everyone.